This is the final edition of Moon Pea Jug and Hobbs for 2021. We're taking the rest of the year off. Because we've worked so hard. And here's the thing about vacations. At this time of the year, uh, everybody uh, you know wants out of there for Christmas. Everybody wants out of there for New Year's. I think everybody actually shuts down even pre-Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, you're ready to get the hell out yep. and, and go yep. have a life. And yep. then as you try to escape and make plans, there's a lot to consider. Do you go on an aircraft full of unvaccinated, maskless people who want to start fights? Or do you just stay at home and do what you've been doing for two years? It's just the dumbest thing. So Hobbs, yeah. I got to tell you, first of all, uh, you know, P-Jug is on assignment today. Ah, okay. You remember how I said some people quit pre-Thanksgiving? That's P-Jug, okay. right? She's like, I'm out of here. She's deep but, undercover is what you're yeah. saying. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an investigative report. Yeah. That's a deep dive. Boots on the ground. Yeah. Kind of a deal. And hopefully she won't be in harm's way. Hobbs, you've been trying to get out of town. Everybody's hounding you. Boom. Everybody's thinking about the end of the year. Everybody's thinking about progress and all that kind of stuff. And so now the, the phones are ringing. And I'm like, now I don't want to leave. Now, now there's business. Now there's a lot of things happening. And I'm like, sure. crap. I know as you approach the end of the year, each year, there's an event called KS95 for Kids. They just had this thing. Mm-hmm. Crisco, Dez, and Ryan, along with their new producer and the entire KS95 team, promotions people. I mean, everybody was there. They're always there. Yeah. They've been doing this for you know decades. All the engineers are just oh. pulling their hair out the night before in the Mall of America. Not easy. You know, because of COVID, that changed everything again. Uh, We used to do KS95 for kids for two days, right? Now they're doing it for 12 hours. And in 12 hours, people here in the Twin Cities to help kids with disabilities uh, that are treated at Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare and uh, kids with cancer, with the Children's Cancer Research Fund, they benefited well over $600,000. That's pretty yeah. damn awesome. That's awesome. I text Ryan. He's, you know, one of the lead guys. Sure. And I said, you know, keep up the good work. Everything looks like it's going smooth, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And uh, and he said, have you made your donation? Well, each year I've made a donation. Yeah. I always like to put it in that big fish tank thing. I would get $20 bills, you know, a couple hundred bucks. But it appeared since I was sitting there dumping these, uh, you know, bills through this thing that I was way more generous than I really am. That sounds right. That sounds sounds exactly like something you would do, just donate to children who are very sick, one (laughs) dollar at a time. Like, oh, look at, or I like that you're doing 20s so that you look like a good tipper at the bar. Yeah. And, you know, using ones now, I just, I'm not good with math. That's what I should have done the whole time. He's just dumping money in that thing all day. Well, anyway, at the event uh, many years ago, I met someone. She was taking, you know, pledges from people to help raise money. We would go up and we would talk to people on the phones. And I met so many people on the phones. I would like to introduce one of those that worked our phones for many years. Didn't do it this year. We'll get into that. It's Nancy, the nurse. Hey, Nancy. Hi, Moon. How are you? Hi, Hobbs. We have been drinking uh, a time or two. Nikki has a party each year, uh, and it's based around a Vikings game. And, yeah. you know, everybody is into it. Mm-hmm. They dress up. 
they drink up and uh, it gets kind of loud and this and that. Have you done that party this year yet? No, we haven't. And the hot tub is broken, so we can't, it won't won't be very fun. What did you do? What did you do to the hot tub? I haven't been in the hot tub yet. It's sad. It's broken. I stay out of hot tubs. (laughs) Yeah, you do. If you want to know something about MS, which is what I have, and hot tubs, before there were CAT scans, MRIs, spinal taps, all those different ways to see if you had MS, what they would do is they would take a patient they suspected that had MS and they'd put them in a hot tub of water. And as their temperature would rise, everything stopped working. And that's how they determined and diagnosed MS. No shit. Yeah. I've never heard that. Crazy. So that's why when I get in the shower, it's in and out, baby. No scrub-a-dub-dub. Talking about donations, now I can't turn on the television where I don't see what happened in, in Kentucky and think, oh, my God, look at the total devastation. I mean, I was born and raised in Nebraska. We had tornadoes all the time, and I actually lived through a really, really bad one. And the town that I lived in back then looked just like Mayfield, Kentucky now. And you know the Red Cross is there. You know they have no electricity. They have no heat. It's getting cold at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a, a good thing. People need to help. I feel good when I can help others. Yep. I can't do a lot. I always try to help Second Harvest Heartland and can do canines. And, you know, I'm starting to get letters from everybody. I think I'm on a mailing list now. This guy donates money here. Here's his address. Well, you did say you you did say that you used to donate to KS95 for kids in the fishbowl. So how did you do it this year? Well, and that was the thing. After I text Ryan, have you given your donation yet? Mm-hmm. I was about to. Yeah. But what I was going to do was I was going to tell the person on the phone that I wanted to go on the air. Right. Because you could do that at times. I don't know if they wired it that way this year, but I wanted to be on. Okay. So, so you, you spoke to management. I didn't speak to management. I went around all that. (laughs) He never speaks to management. That is true. You know him too well, Nancy. That is correct. So I tried to slither in the back door And uh, I did get a shout out twice. Okay. Ryan gave me a shout out for, you know, making my donation. And here's the thing that was really cool. I did it at a time when there was a sponsor that was tripling, tripling the amount of uh, donations that were given. Mm -hmm. So I'm like going, rock, this is awesome. Now's the time to do it. And some of the prizes they had to give away and auction off and all that stuff. They have great Um, prizes. Oh, man. It was like wild tickets for like the playoffs and. Uh, then they were giving away $500, I think, Smack Shack gift cards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a drive-thru now, I understand. I want to try that. For Smack Shack? Smack Shack, yeah. Shut up. That's dangerous. Can I get the lobster poutine thing through the drive-thru? Because that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's really. Have you had that, Moon? It's so good. Not. It's lobster and, and, okay, we'll talk about food later. I'm sure at some point you'll bring up food and I'll explain the poutine to you. You know, and it was just so much fun to be a part of that you know, KS95 for kids thing for that many years. Lots of new friends. That's good. Uh, And Nancy, the nurse, we uh, have a a history of many years because of that fundraising event. I would like you, though, to give us a little bit more background on you. Uh, You and I had one thing in common. We both grew up on a farm. Yes. Tell me where and what you farmed and all that. 
Um, I grew up in a little teeny tiny town of Scandia, Minnesota, uh, north of Forest Lake on a, I think we had pigs, cows, turkeys that used to meet my sister at the bus. (laughs) Um, I had a pig named Willie Mm -hmm. and corn. And that's what you did. And, you know, farming is Mm -hmm. a lot of work. Especially yeah. if you have any animals. On our farm in Nebraska, we had pigs, which stunk to high heaven. We had sheep. They were less maintenance. Yeah. Uh, we had ducks. We had rabbits. We had chickens. We had one horse, some cattle. Um, and I think that was about it. So right. on, on your farm, you know, weren't you close to Walter Mondale? I have known Walter Mondale since I was 15. He, yeah, I worked at a gas station, the one gas station in Scandia and someone came in and asked for something and I didn't know where it was. And I said, I'd call him later if he gave me his name and his number. So he gave me his number. Someone came up to me and asked if I knew who that was. And I said, no clue. And he said, that was Walter Mondale. And so he came to my college graduation um, I would see him every weekend when he would come out and get the newspaper, him and Joan would come out there and stay at the cabin, which was not far from my house at all. Someone should probably mention who Walter Mondale is in case someone's listening to the podcast and is not familiar with our, the, the gentleman that ran for president from Minnesota. And oh, he was, he was, he was governor, right? Humphrey was governor. I think at one point. Ah, there you go. Yeah. As was Jesse Ventura. We don't want to talk yes. about that either. Oh, I'd love to talk about that. I'll talk about that all day, but go on. I'll tell you one of the things about Jesse, the body man, he was a great radio interview. Oh my God. I bet. (laughs) Absolutely the best. He comes waltzing in and you just let him go. Let's talk about being a nurse. So you mentioned the word nurse that your mom was involved in treatment program stuff. Yes. How did you end up, uh, you know, following in her footsteps in healthcare? My mom was actually a nurse as well. And I learned early on that I would be able to take care of myself and my family very successfully as a nurse. And I was originally interested in medicine, but I knew it was going to be a really big sacrifice to do it. And I didn't want to give up my life. And I didn't think I would enjoy the career enough to make up for what I missed. And so then I decided nursing because then I get more patient involvement and here we are almost 20 years later. You started here just as a uh, an RN, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then how did you, you know, branch off into like surgery and a lot of pediatric stuff and we'll get I, to the COVID stuff? I actually started working at Gillette, my very first job. Oh, so. And that's NKS95 yeah. for kids, Gillette Children's yep. Hospital, yeah. And one of the surgeons there, Dr. Wood, is very good with cleft lip repairs and I learned from him and I think he told me about mission trips and I love to travel and it's a great way to combine healthcare and travel. Let's go through a few of the places you've worked. I've been to India probably 10 times. Wow. Haiti Mm -hmm. right after the earthquake, China, Mexico, Pretty much all of Central America and most of South America, too. 
That's so cool though. I mean, that you're going and you're helping all those people, you're seeing the world. And I mean, how does that change you as a care provider, seeing what the conditions are in other places? You become much more appreciative of what you have here as a caregiver. When you go on all those trips, you get to be very, um, you improvise a lot because you don't have all the things that you would need. Sure. So I think I told you about one of my stories in India about stopping bleeding on someone. We use a tea bag and we soak it in medication. Like what kind of medication? Like how does that work? Like- Epinephrine, which okay. helps constrict blood vessels. And I literally soaked a tea bag in epinephrine and put it in the palm of my hand, which is tiny, and shoved it in the patient's mouth to stop bleeding. And wow. she didn't have to go back to the operating room because of it. Well, maybe you should market that. Yes, <laughs> we we do. We have tea bags now. Um, in every post-op area that I work because of the ability to use it to stop bleeding. What kind? Lipton? Yeah. Lipton black tea. Really? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There you go, Moon. Moon's always looking uh, to chase down a new sponsor. I need a sponsor. I need one sponsor. (laughs) We have no sponsors on this show. Cremation Society is not calling you back. They already know they're going to get your business. Actually, I'm I'm looking for a new crematorium. Are you? I, shopping I'm, I'm uh, I don't remember what the name of it is, but my wife encouraged me to do that. And I don't know if that means she's going to whack me or what. I was going to say, why is PJUG encouraging you? That's yeah. a darn good question. If you go to the crematorium and it's got like the waving arm guy, like in front of a, like a car dealership. Yeah. Definitely trying to get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. Or a, a big spotlight that swirls around. <laughs> club night like in the 80s like (laughs) (laughs) we'll attract the people driving around and you know uh, last week by the way i was enthralled with tina rexing Mm -hmm. from the t-rex cookie company yeah i know you're enthralled oh my it it was we talked cookies for an hour i ended up taking out a lot of what i said i found myself droning on and on last week and then I had repeated a couple of things in the podcast from earlier episodes. I took all of that out. So I think we talked for an hour and five minutes. I think I got 33 minutes. And the rest of it, I just took myself completely out. I will edit myself out. I have no problem when I suck to take it out. You are a good editor, though. You're fast. Yeah. I, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. Yeah. After we get done talking... Uh, I will spend the rest of the night editing. A lot of people want, you know, how long does it take? Well, I'm pretty, you know, good at it. Uh, I would have to say it will take me to do a one hour podcast about two and a half hours. So uh, back to uh, your travels in other countries, working on cleft palates. Were you in a hospital uh, situation where you were in a, like a mass unit? I mean, how was it? Did they have hospitals that you worked in or what? Haiti was the exception of kind of having like a mass unit tent, everything. Because as you remember, after the earthquake, there's nothing, nothing for months. Um, But everywhere else was in a hospital facility. And then you've also not only worked with, you know, cancer patients, you've been a cancer patient. Tell us about that. Yes. When my first time when I was 21, I had neck cancer 
and coming up in 2002 will be 20 years free. Nice. And then apparently tanning is bad for you. Mm. So I have had skin cancer twice on my face. And um, I'll do a shout out to Dr. Christopher Tolan for his amazing um, plastic surgery repair of my skin cancer spots. Yeah, because you look good. I would yeah. not know that. No way. Yeah. I remember I had skin cancer and I had this, you know, tumor, I guess, if you will, uh, or bad spot that was about the size of a dime. Mm-hmm. And oh, I remember my doctor, Dr. Zabel, sewing me up and, and, you know, I'm thinking, wait a minute you've been at this quite a while. I mean, that thing was only as big as a dime. I felt more stitches than that. Turned out it was 28. And I'm like, holy Moses. Now you can't even see where he did it. I mean, these guys are good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Skin cancer is something that runs in my family very heavily. Like my mom's had it. My, my grandparents had it on that side of the family and everything. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've got my dermatology appointment in February because I got a lot of moles Check them all, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm, like a, I'm like a bad Pokemon game. Like yeah. they're they're all different shapes and sizes, and seldom makes sense. And, and now you're you know spending a lot of time taking care of COVID people. We got to go there because that'll take a while. Uh, for me, yes. I can't tell you how many COVID tests I've taken. I've taken four vaccines already, and I can say that the fourth one made me feel crappy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's working. I don't know. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? I felt crappy after my booster and I haven't had COVID yet. And I had two friends recently that told me they tested positive and I was around them mm-hmm. and I'm totally fine. So hopefully that means a good sign. And, you know, I've been working around that around it for almost two years and haven't tested positive yet. So oh, good. You actually worked in a hospital that was nothing but COVID mm-hmm. patients, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then when you have that many people coming in and you're always hearing about ICU beds, what's an average number of ICU beds in a normal hospital? I think in the hospital that, that I work in now, we have 60, mostly full. They always say that. You always hear there's two beds or one bed. How many beds are there normally? Yeah, there's about 60, I think, mm-hmm. but... If they have a bed, that doesn't mean there's a nurse to staff it. Have you noticed that the staffing is really, really short because people are getting sick? I get calls every day. I just don't even answer because as of the 1st of November, I had already made more year to date than I did all of last year. So I'm working way too much. You got to take care of yourself too, because Mm -hmm. if you don't keep your mental health together, yeah, then yeah. you run yourself down, your immune system's down, you're likely to get it, you're around yep. people, you can, it's just, it feeds upon itself. Like, yep. I think the biggest thing this whole pandemic is teaching us is self-care, which I hate. That's horrible. Have you tried self-care, Moon? It's awful. I've it's tried self-destruction. Yes. Exactly. So much more fun than, like, having a budget and, like, being, Adulting. being on time. When I go into a place... You got to wonder, you know, am I going to catch it just from being here? Right. Right. That has happened. I think we've had patients in the hospital that were negative that would go home. And a few days after they went home, they tested positive. Mm -hmm. So there's nowhere else they could have gotten it than the hospital. 
and you can catch i mean that's the thing with the hospital too because like you can get um you know uh oh god what is it my ex-husband got it he went in for something else he had an open wound and contracted an infection oh yeah staff um, staff he got yeah. staff he got staff yeah. and it was just i mean like it it happens it's not even even before covid it's you know there's always a bit of a, mm-hmm. of a risk but i mean also too like you can't do everything in a vacuum either so yeah. what do you think about healthcare workers forcing to get uh, vaccinated mm. it's a no-brainer to me i don't know why you would say no it's such a basic public health measure I don't understand why you would say no. No organized religion has came out against it. The Pope has said to get it, especially in healthcare, working with vulnerable people. I don't understand why they wouldn't get it. When a person goes on a vent, that's not good. It's hard. <laughs> it's If you go on a vent for COVID, your mortality rate, I think, is over 60%. Well, and Moon and I talked about this on another podcast that you weren't a part of, but I was listening to NPR a while ago and they interviewed all these doctors and the doctors were very honest. They were like the, basically it was the son who the son of a doctor is a journalist for NPR. And his dad said that he wants more than a DNR. He wants no, no CPR, no ventilation, absolutely nothing. You tell me I have something that I'm going to die. Don't touch me. I'm going to go home and let me go. Right. And so I'm listening to this whole thing. And it was so like shocking to me because you watch television, you watch those medical dramas. And then they're like, oh, on TV, CPR works like 80% of the time. No, apparently it doesn't. It barely ever works. And a lot of times you can really, I mean, bleep this, but you can someone up really bad if you're not doing it right. And then that ventilator thing, that was the thing that freaked me the out about sorry i'm swearing a lot but i'm like oh uh the covid like they basically have to you're awake but you're anesthetized and you're paralyzed so that the thing can stay in you and you're sedated too and a lot of these people aren't breathing well with the vents then we paralyze them yeah and can you imagine moon intubated and then sunny side up in the bed Ah, freaking me out you're sedated and paralyzed so you don't know well, hopefully that's not going to happen to any of us or anybody that we know or love. Right. My brother was supposed to go to a funeral today from a, uh, you know, from a friend of his that had COVID. And guess what? He was too sick to go. When you uh, have a, a COVID patient come in, how rapidly do they go downhill? So they come in with a fever. They come in with no sense of taste or smell. I mean, what's the start and how quick does it go? I mean, sometimes they can go from admission to intubation within an hour. And then sometimes they end up on ECMO within five or six hours, probably. It's basically an external machine that you can put really big garden hoses in someone's body and connect them to that machine to do the work of the lungs outside the body to kind of Rest the lungs, let them heal. If you guys remember Nick Cordero, the Broadway actor last year, um, he was on ECMO for a while and it was unsuccessful in treating his case of COVID. Did he die? He did, yes. He was 41. Mm, And, you know, you hear about young people getting it and dying and, Mm -hmm. you know, then there's the whole, okay, 
how young should we vaccinate kids? How much are we going to give them? They're trying to do as much research as fast as they can. You know, this thing has been very challenging and it wasn't good from the, from the very start. Mm-hmm. I was watching the morning show, a show on Apple uh, with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Steve Carell. And, you know, it was basically the story of Matt Lauer, which was pre-COVID. But then they heard about a case of COVID and they had sent a reporter over to Wuhan. And, you know, they're trying to cover the story. And the American news media at that point, you know, wasn't really into it because it was nothing. It was a problem for a few people in a foreign country. NPR started covering it a lot in like December of 2019. And, and January, but it was, but we've had this before with SARS and some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. We're normalized in seeing in Japan and Asian, Asian, you know, communities and countries, you know, them walking around in groups with masks. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even remember thinking, well, that seems dramatic. Um, one of, I live in a condo building and one of my neighbors ordered a gas mask. I think it was November or, or December of 2019 okay dude <laughs> like whatever man you're a little paranoid you've been watching too many uh too many uh you know horror movies and then who's who's stupid who who didn't have a mask who didn't have anything i had nothing prepared i went out panic bought like everybody else did this guy i'm sure i should have been nicer to him in the elevator because he would have had me all set up in his place well and then you got to stop and think about am i ever ever going to leave my house or do anything Uh, because it's risky. It just is, no matter who you're with or what you're doing. Foo Fighters tickets go on sale. It's in August of next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't not buy tickets. You got to do it. They got, you can get insurance on it. Just get the insurance on it. I got the insurance on it for the extra 46 bucks. Yeah, do it. My tickets are okay. Mm -hmm. They're not great. I wanted the best seats in the house. They could have my firstborn if they just give me good seats, right? Because I really Mm -hmm. want to see Dave Grohl up close. I would give one of my cats uh, to Queen if I could see them with Freddie. Oh, yeah. That'd be large. Yes. And, you know, they'd be in good hands because I think Freddie and I would get along great because we both like cats. We both like vodka. And, you know, as it turns out, we both like men. So, you know, he would take great care of Gert and Cam for a little bit. What about your cats? Do they travel with you when you go or do you have somebody watch them or is there a... When I move around the country, they come with me. But when I go on medical mission trips, I have friends that move into my house for like the week and I fill up my fridge, I fill up my liquor cabinet, and then I tell them to text me pictures and videos every day and that's it. They st- The cats stay at home. And you've always had kind of a thing with animals like... Uh... How about the story about running with the bulls? <laughs> um, oh, did you really do that? Like, it's not the smartest thing I've ever done. It's one of the top <laughs> probably three dumbest things I've ever done. Um, when I lived in Spain, I had some friends that came over to visit me, and we were going to Pamplona. And it was myself and three guys in this teeny tiny little hotel room. And we, of course, had, you know, we're not going to go drinking the night before. Well, that went out the window. And so we come back to um, the hotel room and everyone starts snoring. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to have to run for my life in the morning, I'm going to need to sleep. 
Sure. So I grabbed a pillow and a blanket and slept in the bathtub and shut the door. Okay. And I slept great and I survived and did running with the bulls. And there was a guy that did running with the bulls the day before us that was not so lucky. Did he get gored? Is he okay? He's uh, in his eternal home. Oh my God. That is real. Yeah. I always wondered who was the first one to come up with that idea. Yeah. Right. It's like, hey, I've got this great idea. We're going to get a bunch of angry bulls and then we're going to piss them off and run. Well, we went and saw them. We went and saw them in the morning and they're sitting in the bullpen just kind of hanging out. They don't look angry or aggressive at all. Do you have to pay to do that or no. do they pay you or what? No, you you just can't have any like big belongings with you. So what we all did, I had written on a piece of paper in my shoe my name, I had a copy of my passport, my mom's name and phone number, and my blood type. And I wrote it down, and I also put it down my bra that morning. It's not dog tags, but it's a note for my mom. Yeah. Here's my password, also a note for my sister, clear my browser history. Okay. Right? Yeah. And we had a spot to all meet. And if we weren't there by a certain time we each had a hospital that we were going to go to to look for each other big thumbs up on the plan like that's good yeah. planning right there were these all other healthcare professionals or did oh you no airline them? pilots airline pilots well they, they're a good strategy so if you're running with the bulls and somebody does get gored uh, does anybody say, is there a medical professional? Is there a doctor in the house? Yeah, or, do you keep your mouth Have you ever had something like that? I'm happen? drunk. I'm not yeah. answering. <laughs> oh, and I wish I could say that. Um, no, if you, if you fall or if someone falls, you just like go into a fetal position and like pray, pray to God almighty mm -hmm. that you don't get hit with a bullhorn and then you just get up when everybody passes you. Uh, you guys both live in uh, St. Paul. Yep. Kincaid's is there. <laughs> Tell them what happened to Kincaid's. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of like not answering when you're drunk, that, you know, I was at Kincaid's after I moved to St. Paul out there for a girl's night. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in the bar area in one of the, in the, at one of the tables. And across the bar, there was a high top of six men in really nice suits. Okay. Like really nice. Okay. And my girlfriend and I, we were splitting a couple bottles of wine and I was literally glass almost to lips and someone yelled for a doctor. Oh no. And I wait, you know, a little bit to see if someone, you know, would say anything and no one had said anything. And I said, well, that I was a nurse and they said their wife was choking. Oh God. So I got up and ran across the bar and it was right next to this table of really nice dressed men. Yeah. They're hot. They, people, oh, yeah. this, is a, this is a podcast. So they, they can't see the, the winks are giving me hot table oh. of hot guys. You're running up. Saving uh -huh. life. And I have um, basically hooker boots on mid thigh length black dress. Cause it's Friday night. <laughs> and going out. With the heart of gold. Yes. And so I have to do the Heimlich maneuver on this woman and my dress is hiking up further and further. Mm -hmm. And I'm praying to Jesus that she coughs it out. So I don't have to lay her on the floor and straddle her in front of these people. 
Oh yeah, you're praying to not have to do that. Oh, I hear that. She um, did cough it out, and then the guy's next store, next table over, asked if she was going to be okay. And I said, "Well, that she would be fine." And then they asked what I did, and I said I'd be in medicine. And they said, or asked if I could help them. And I looked at the table because one of the guys looked very familiar. If you remember Joel Quenville, he used to coach the Blackhawks. He looked exactly like he does in person as he does on TV. And so I look and I said, you know, f- no, I'm not going to help you guys because you're yeah. from Chicago. <laughs> and it was a table yes. full of Blackhawks players that were there for dinner because they played the wild the next night. Thank you, Nancy. Hold up, Minnesota. <laughs> I wouldn't save your life. I'll save her in my hooker boots. You're on your own, Blackhawks. Yeah. May the best team win. And then we shut them out, I think, the next night. I've been puked on. I've been, I've had probably been covered in every single bodily fluid that's not mine. And I just go and take a really good shower and wash my hands and that's it. And then you go have dinner. Yeah. It really takes somebody who studies a rock. A lot of my girlfriends are nurses and they tell me the stories and they just yada yada stuff. They're like, yeah, so this guy with the knife, he pulls the knife out and then he tries to stab me with it. You know, it's a Saturday. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm mad if someone writes me an email that has any capital letters in it and I'm hurt. <laughs> like, let alone the stuff you've got to deal with. So that's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty flipping amazing. Thank you for that. So how many deaths do you have to deal with? Oh my God. I've just wondered, I've always wondered how a nurse can go and treat a patient and sometimes develop a relationship because maybe they've been together for a few Mm -hmm. weeks or whatever. And they start to bond, they meet family members and all that. I mean, we can sometimes have multiple patients die a day. That would not be unheard of at all. And you just walk right out and go home. You You sometimes cry. Um, but you know, got my cats. I have my wine. I have my friends and well, and you know, you did your best and you know that like Mm -hmm. you can't fix why they're there. All you can do is react to what is in front of you. You can't change whatever brought them to your door. All you can do is do, you know, do what you do, what you do best. Mm -hmm. And to like make my, their time with me, the best time that they Mm -hmm. have. Yeah. You increase the quality of someone's life. I have a friend that was a radio guy. He did mornings in Philadelphia, Dallas, San Diego, Phoenix, a lot of big markets. And his dad had diabetes really bad mm-hmm. and ended up losing his legs. And eventually he died. Mm-hmm. And as he progressively got worse and his son visited him, he watched these nurses come in and take care of his father. And it meant something to him. He became very grateful. And so he thought to himself, I wonder if I could do that, right? He started looking into going to school. And the next thing you know, because he's doing a morning show, he's off the air at 9 o'clock. He's going to college. Cool. And now he's an RN. He quit radio altogether. And he said to me, and this is a guy that radio is in his blood, right? There's no way I thought he'd ever quit. He said, do you know that if I came up with the funniest bit that had ever been aired on any radio station ever, uh, you know, during that bit, somebody could have been talking, turning a corner, not paying attention, talking to their kids or somebody else in the car, or maybe there was something that was over the top of it at their office. And he said, maybe I got through to a few. 
He said, but now as a nurse, he said, I develop one-on-one relationships Mm -hmm. and what I do is meaningful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that, you know, I don't have the biggest voice in the room because I'm only here for one reason. And that's to make the quality of that person who's not feeling well's life a little easier. You know, I can tell a good nurse from not because I'm around them literally every day. I have, a, I have a working theory. Moon's not sick at all. He just really has. He just likes nurses. He just really has this thing for nurses, male, female, doesn't matter. I, I'm sure that when you're doing your job, that you run into hairy patients, both male and female. I, can I? Okay, just I mean, not about me, but can I just? I remember I was like 11 years old when I realized women could also grow chest hair. I did not realize that was a thing until I was in line at Disney World. And uh, with my family, and I looked at this gal who was older, and I didn't, she had like what you would imagine, like a soul patch underneath your lip. She had it just in the corner of her chest. The person I saw presented exactly female. And then I just saw this little triangle, like, like, like Superman's little <laughs> of chest hair. And I apparently said way too loud, I'm like, mom. What's wrong with her chest? And she heard it. Oh, she definitely heard it because I said it like right next to her. Ah. What about speeding tickets and getting out of them? Everybody could use this. Pretend you're a nurse or actually be a nurse and you'll, you nine times out of 10 can get out of a speeding ticket. I was on my way to work um, at a hospital in St. Paul years ago and I got ticketed going, I think, 80 and a 65. Okay. I had my badge on and everything and I got let go with a warning. I'm uh, doing uh, the awards banquet for the Wright County Sheriff's Department in January. Hey, okay. So we know where you're going to be for the sheriff's people. Mm -hmm. What about the uh, New Year's Eve show you're doing? A couple of them. Yeah, two of them with uh, Miss Shannon Paul who you know from uh, Fox 9, uh, the Jason Matheson show, FM 107, and mostly most people know her from being my best friend. Um, But yeah, we're going to do two shows, New Hope Cinema Grill, New Year's Eve, 7 and 9.30. I'm going to headline the first show. She's going to headline the second show. We have an amazing host, Dan Bublitz Jr., who just filmed an incredible um, uh, special for Dry Bar Comedy, which is a big online comedy community and was one of the producers of like the San Diego Comedy Festival and all that stuff. So it's going to be super fun. Tickets are on sale now, 20 bucks, pretty cheap. And it's full bar, full food. And uh, we're going to have a designated driver. Oh, I have a designated driver. Do you want to come with? You're in St. Paul too. We'll pick you up. So Nancy, what are you going to do for New Year's? I think I'm going to Acme. You're going to go to Acme? Well, that'll be fun. As 2022 approaches, Uh, I want to say thank you for listening to almost 40 Moon P. Jug and Hobbs episodes. That's a lot. I had no idea we'd stick with it this long. It's been kind of fun. So we're going to just keep doing it. Uh, If you have ideas for guests, email us, moonpjughobbs at gmail. Uh, You can tell us what you think of the show or whatever. Share this podcast. Like this podcast. Uh, We'll come back the first Friday of 2022. Hopefully with no COVID, everybody have a safe and happy holiday season. And uh, other than that, hey, fins up. Fins up.
It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair. What the does he know? It's time to end the podcast. It's time to get some likes. Go to your computer, type it in, and you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopy Jug and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Let's put this show out of its misery. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.